Hello everybody, it's 40k lore time, and we're gonna learn about things and waste all your time. Hey everybody, uh, so welcome to Foxtrot Battle Line. Um, this is our 12th episode, I think. Um, I'm here with Corey. Hey, Corey. Hello. Hello. <laughs> How are things going? Man, it's it's still going. It's going as good as it could in the uh, the age of COVID, but this gives me uh, <laughs> age plenty of, of strife, time. To... If you will. Yeah. <laughs> the dark age. I realized uh, the other day that I saw Josh yesterday, my friend Josh, and he was on we met episode, in the same place. Actually. He was, yeah, he was, that's the only reason I'm referencing him. So okay. we met, we went out to get beers yesterday at, uh, at Coney Island, and I have a picture a year to the date that we had gone and gotten beers together. And it was one of those weird things where it's like, that feels like yesterday. And my wife had to remind me that we uh, have spent like six months inside and the entire yeah. year is gone. And it's but more than that now, almost March. We're in September, almost October. Um, it's nuts. It's been a while. Yeah. I was thinking about the same thing. I was like uh, with myself too uh, the other day. I was just like, man, remember when if, like I feel like I didn't I just come home from Connecticut, you know, right? <laughs> um, it's crazy how time has been like perception of time has been affected during all of this for people. Yeah. It's extra weird because like the, now that life is getting semi back to normal and I, I stress the word semi, yeah. but now that I'm doing work again, it just feels like as if I had put everything on pause for six months. And then mm -hmm. those six months were like a weird dream. And now I'm back to normal <laughs> life again. A fever dream, if you will. It's like a weird <laughs> fever dream of nothing but, but painting and watching TV. Yeah. Well, um, I've been, my painting's been picking up recently, so I'm kind of happy about that. Um, I took like a solid month of just non motivated. Didn't do anything. I built a, um a bigger backlog though during that time <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so woo um so welcome everyone uh today Corey and i um are going to talk about two things uh the main premise of this episode um will be um you know you're new to painting you just built your first model um how do you paint it uh what do you need um kind of some different techniques for beginners stuff you can try out uh some tips and tricks uh anything else Corey, on that that we're going to talk about i mean it's really just going to the basics and talking yeah. to basics i think the big thing a lot of people take for granted is there's a lot of basic items that we just assume everyone knows mm -hmm. and i know when i first started if i had like well, i had resources but having that resource to spell things out and say here's what you need here's what you need to have fun with and play with, but here's right. what you're basically looking for. And it took me a long time to work through it, but I take for granted a lot of the time that I think everyone knows these things. And then right. every time I try to talk to someone about painting, who's like newer, who I'm teaching, they'll come in with a hundred questions. I never thought they would ask. So yeah, episodes like this, I feel are super important. Um, Absolutely. For that maybe so even experienced painters, maybe, you know, we'll talk about something that you didn't think of and it'll help. Um, and uh, Corey is kind of the master of saving money. So <laughs> um, I kind of want to pick his brain about, you know, and you should talk about that, Corey, when you speak about some of the stuff about like the, you know, 
most expensive way you can do this and then maybe the how you cut some corners financially um stuff like that you know absolutely absolutely um but before that um so i texted Corey the other day <laughs> this is kind of like i just want to talk about something that's kind of been on my mind and you can agree you can disagree you can um I don't know, but for me, and this is coming from kind of a logical and more, uh, so let me just, I guess, say, so GW released, um, they've been releasing a lot of new rules, like a lot, like some fundamental rules that change the game, the way it's played, and uh, here's... And they're, they're, the rules themselves, each individual rule to me um, makes sense. Like, I'm like, okay. Like, the for example, the new character rule. They don't buff themselves. They're inspiring to their units. I get it. That makes perfect sense. I'm totally on board with that, with that rule. I think what's becoming a problem for me is the way GW is releasing these things. Um it just feels fucking messy. Um, I know right now, for example, um, when the new Space Marine Codex drops, as a Dark Angels player, because I don't have my Codex, I have to have all the FAQs. I have to have the new Space Marine Codex. I have to have the original 8th edition Dark Angels Codex plus the Psychic Awakening in order to just even think about building a list and bring all those if I'm going to play in a tournament or anything like that. And that's just, it's fucking stupid. (laughs) Like, um, and yeah, I get it. Like I'm nitpicking a little bit here, but that's just an example of the overall kind of trend I'm seeing. Um, it doesn't, it's not logical the way they're releasing these things, kind of dropping little made little rules. I say that meaning major rules that will completely um, change the way the game's played kind of like, Oh yeah. Like it seems like they released the ninth code uh, rule book and mm-hmm. then they forgot about like some stuff. <laughs> you know, It feels like, like they're FAQing really quick and it's not game explanations. Right. It's big mechanics. And, and I, I I get that. And here's here's what's really disheartening. There is a, such a simple solution for this. Like, <laughs> like, it's almost like unfathomable that they didn't do this first. Just make an app that updates in real time. <laughs> Done, you I know? Mean, <laughs> hypothetically, they did. It's just not great. It's shit. They made a it's shit not, app. Yeah. <laughs> And I was it, so excited for it. I mean, it's too. just, it's not great. And they, here's, here, it's dumbfounding. The age of Sigmar app, since I've been like sort of playing around with AOS, um, mm-hmm. it's great. It's, I, I prefer it over battle scribe, to be honest, to craft a AOS roster or age of Sigmar. It's just, it's a good app. It's a really solid app. The way you list build is great. Like the rules update as, as forementioned, um, the excuse me the like everything's there you can reference it during battles it's fancy it it has a picture of all the models so you're sure that's the model you know for newer players okay Mm -hmm. that 
is a space marine, you know, or an intercessor or something. So, um, yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. I get it now. I was kind of dumbfounded a little bit. We've been talking about this all week and Steven has refused to tell me what it was. He's like, I'm going <laughs> to save it. I'm going to save it. And I'm looking at the new aura rules and I'm like, I don't get it, Steven. It's a great rule. Why are you, what's the problem? It I is. don't understand. It is a good I, rule. Yeah. Definitely. Get where you're coming from now though. It's a lot of, it does seem sloppy because it does seem well, as if they're releasing an afterthought when the book just came out. You know what the problem is too, that I'm thinking kind of like in the future, um, competitively speaking, every army that doesn't have a new codex isn't even with an FAQ, they're going to lag behind the, this edition like a little bit. It may not be a ton, but they won't be at their full power. Like, Would you feel better if they were indexes again, like an eighth? Um, like if they just released like an index to start until new yeah. things came out. I mean, they should have done something <laughs> like, um, I know. Like I love the codexes. Like, they're great. They're beautiful. Like tons of art, great new lore. The story progresses through each codex, through each edition. And uh, it's great. Uh, but come on, like this is just messy. Um, and it's also like GW had promised, promised us um, a much more like smooth, like we're going to listen to your feedback, stuff like that. And I guess part of the problem is the rules they're releasing are great. I love them. But on the, you know, on the flip side of that, they don't apply to the whole game. They apply to like two armies right now. And Necrons and Space Marines are just going to be better than everyone else until they start dropping codexes, especially Xenos, other Xenos. Um, do you think, in retrospect, because now I'm thinking about this, do you think maybe the ninth edition release was pushed up because of covid mm. as like a stopgap to save money like because no one's playing warhammer for a lot of covid unless you're in some weird or safe you mean bubble. to to make money like they released it i mean to make money. money in a in a time where they wouldn't normally be making yeah. money because of covid like as a oh shit we're gonna lose a lot of money because of this let's release something quick so we boost it all again yeah. like like but the numbers like don't add up and be you know, well, it just feels like they did like a stimulus to keep that stopgap, and yeah. that is now why they're going back and fixing the rules again. Because so they're like, "Oh, well, we pushed this up when I they mean, should have waited longer." And yeah, like this aura rule seems like something that could have been in that the should book. have been in the fucking rule book. Like, it also kind of feels like a rule that should have always been a rule. Like whenever yeah. I have to explain this to people that like my captain rerolls once, they're like, "But why? How does he self up?" <laughs> like everyone always asks that question. Yeah, and it feels like something like has been a long time coming. Like it hurts me. And the way I build my lists, but at the same time, hmm. it feels right. Yeah, it does. Right? Um, it, it just it makes me feel better. That that's I mean, I was playing now. a game with uh, Thousand Suns yesterday, and yeah, I mean, it's a little absurd that a demon prince <laughs> inspires himself to re-roll ones, you know? So Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just messy. That's basically the problem I have with it. And it's the reason why I think it's messy is a very logical one. Like you, if you're going to change rules this often, have an easy way for players to have those rules kind of updated instantaneously. And mm -hmm. they had a plan for that and they just didn't deliver. And 
it sucks to be honest <laughs> you know it's just it's a bummer and um you know i love warhammer i usually only have good things to say about it this has been something that has been, i've been thinking about over time as they've been kind of you know releasing a new rule a week basically mm-hmm. so um do the rules individually make sense absolutely um it's the way that they're rolling everything out i guess with no real um and maybe you know we don't know something that's coming um right but i'm a i'm really worried about the other army like wasn't this supposed to be a more balanced edition you know <laughs> wasn't that part of the promise a little bit um granted. yeah I mean, I get that. I just don't. I don't think it's as out of balance as you think it is. But also, <sighs> I'm a, I'm of the weird mindset of I am a Space Marine player. We keep using this word in our, our weekly game. I like to use the word Space Marine privilege. I have to check my Space Marine privilege a little bit. <laughs> well, you and, um, and here's the thing, Corey. You and I play um, chapters that are probably the bottom to mid to bottom tier of space marine chapters right now (laughs) yeah it's weird it's it's weird but at the same time my thing with the game is if you count if you count each chapter as its own army like if you don't count xenos chaos and imperium as like a third a third a third if you count each one the majority of the game is made up of chaos armies and space marine armies you know what i mean so like when people get when the Eldar player in the group starts to complain about like, oh, well, we don't get any love. And it's like, well, that's cool, but you're 128 uh, of all of the armies. I, and I don't... I disagree with you there a little bit. I, think... I, not, I knew you would. <laughs> I knew you wouldn't. That's why I brought it up. I just uh, feel like I think Space Marines are most of the game. I think Chaos Space Marines are most of the I game. I don't think they should And be. then there's... That's well, the difference, I think. I mean, it's about Space Marines, though. No, the heresy is about Space Marines. The galaxy is absolutely not. And... 110% I disagree with that. I mean, before <laughs> fucking humanity, there were the old ones, then the fucking Necrons and the Eldar in this huge goddamn war. I get it. I mean, I get it. It's just, I don't, I don't know. There's a bigger picture, but for me, yeah, I don't know. I think you have a point, too. I mean, um, I think 30K is all about Space Marines. I like, that's the whole point of like those books and the game itself and whatever um there's a lot of people who play xenos like a lot um i know i know they keep crying i hear all of them <laughs> i think you're just being a little bit <laughs> of a dick because you're a space marine player <laughs> um my space marine privilege i'm checking it i promise yeah i mean it is what it is i guess it doesn't like keep me up at night or anything it's just a little bit of a bummer that they're rolling things out this way and it's messy and like even as a space marine player Corey, like i don't Mm want to carry around four fucking books you know well i think i think one of the things you pointed out was the uh the psychic awakening having to carry that around Mm -hmm. but hypothetically if your codex comes out for the new one that's supposed to be rolled into that codex well, yeah. So there the only Awakening two was books. supposed to be a pre-codex type thing, which is also another point is that the Psychic Awakenings that they release for everybody is basically the basis of the codexes that they're releasing. Well, I'm so I'm everybody hearing... already kind of has an index. Yeah, a little bit, not really. I, 
disagree a little bit, but um, just a little bit. But <laughs> apparently, the way they were rolling out the psychic awakening was more of like a test run for how they were going to write the rules in ninth um, for the different chapters and armies and whatever. So, but I don't want to spend too long on that because um, it's not worth it. So, um, it, like, it is what it is, and GW is going to do what they want, so why complain? <laughs> 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 a little bit of a defeatist attitude, but it's true, you oh. know. Um, it's also messy times. I get it. You know, maybe we don't know what goes on internally over there. Um, maybe they had all these plans, and just like everyone else, you know, COVID kind of excuse me disrupted them or something so um it it would have been nicer if when they released which codexes are coming next that yeah. one of those four were actually another xenos it would make more they sense than yeah they could have got rid of one space marine kept the death guard and just put in like crap oh, world or they something. definitely didn't need a fucking uh death watch codex i don't even i don't i don't understand that i don't get that move no who plays death watch <laughs> It's a very, very unpopular army. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm confused. Some people, like, there are people who play Death Watch, but why? Like, why would that be your first, you know, one of your first releases? Um, yeah. And I mean, here's my yeah, thing. Go on, go on. We've talked about this with the Dark Angels. Um, I'm thinking there's some big release coming for them. That's why they went death watch and not dark angels i don't want to say it's the lion because who knows but um it may not even be the lion but i feel like they're releasing something with dark angels something with dark angels yeah. that's going to be pretty significant for them so it does feel like they're not having dark angels in that four book list is a weird miss out and there has to be a reason for it because like yeah. Of all the armies that had their own codexes in previous editions, that's one of them. Where like yeah. Death Watch is not really like Death Watch has like, never been. <laughs> you know, like yeah, it's been which maybe is a good sign. Yeah, maybe it's a sign of other armies getting their own codexes, aka like Emperor's Children or maybe yeah or World Leaders, which would be awesome. The, would, uh, there need get one of them World Leader Army. One of them needs a uh, full model line and a new codex. I think. Um, but at the same time, too, it's like, you know who also needs, like, some love? At least updated kits is, well, Eldar. They've been dealing with, like, 30 years of the same kits. Yeah. Um, so they I they definitely need it. Uh, that is a problem. Imperial Guard, they, I mean, too. their kits look cool. <laughs> it's just that they do need new stuff. Um, IG, as well. They need new stuff. Um, definitely. But they have... Here's the thing. I don't know. With Imperial Guard, it's almost like I don't feel sympathetic a little bit. Be well, the codex, the rules need to be re rewritten. Duh. But they have so many units. Um, like there's so much, there's so many options with, with them. Um, so many different tanks, so many, you know, a lot of different types of um, vehicles, uh, some uh, flexibility in like uh unit choices for troops minus maybe like you know the standard guardsmen but um 
Yeah, I mean, they have a lot of models. And then if you include Forge World, it, it doubles the amount of tanks you have access to. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it's weird building and magnetizing Tau the other yeah. day and looking at the bottom of the bases and seeing like 1999 and knowing that that's basically for a lot of Xenos armies a good refresh rate, you know, being like 99. Oh, yeah, that's you think that's bad and you go back it's like that amateur meme where it's like oh i haven't had an army since 99 and then like the all the eldar turn around and go amateur <laughs> it's just like it's a little insane i do think a lot of the eldar models do hold up and maybe that's why they have put it off irresponsibly it's maybe not even holding up like yeah great they're playable um but even from like a modeling perspective like they're they're fucking fine cast most of them like come on <laughs> yeah. you know well, you like, would think like with the primaris whole thing with the eighth edition and they made primaris and then they were like well the chaos space marines need to catch up because they're too small now versus primaris and then they did that you think they would at least update like a basic model for Eldar? yeah i mean they did do one aspect warrior unit they did they just redid halloween banshees and jane czar um right but no one I, i've never played an eldar list that uses banshees so <laughs> and i played a lot of eldar in the past like three years um surprisingly so yeah uh but anyways um let's get to the topic at hand um i guess <laughs> we'll see what unfolds what yeah i said hold your breath count to 10 change topics yeah well i'm not Calm really down. that angry about it but um yeah so painting um wow you know i just thought in my head like this is a beast of a topic (laughs) i mean it's not that hard to talk about what you need when you start but painting itself um for those of you who are new it's uh quite you know it's a what we're going to talk about today is like the tip of the iceberg and um yeah. there's a lot out there obviously so you can I think the most basic way sorry to cut you off the most basic way to kind of look at it is if we come at it we can simplify it by taking it from the GW play by like plan uh paint by yeah. number type situation yeah, and yeah. that kind of simplifies it for people Definitely um yeah well let's start off like you know theoretical situ- situation so you just built your first model. It's not a space marine because fuck them. But <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But it's probably a space marine. <laughs> so, well, space marine is the free one you can get from the stores. So. Well, that too. Yeah. Um, so you just built that. Um, so assuming maybe we should even just talk about like you bought a kit because you need stuff to build it too. So yeah. Um, what would you say the minimum things you need to finish that Space Marine to battle ready? And when we say battle ready, GW's standard of battle ready is built, three colors, I think, and then mm-hmm. based. So, right. It, what, what would you say? So the, I mean, that's basically it. It's it's the basic. Well, tools you need. Off. What do you need tools to buy? Need. Yeah. So first off, I think the most important thing you're going to need is a nice set of clippers. That's one of the things that I think some people think you can skip on by going to the store. But any GW store and any hobby store has got a good set of... uh, They look like wire strippers, just clippers to take the actual models off the sprue. 
Yeah. I think if you don't know enough about it, if you're just jumping in and buying your first box, it might be the first thing you don't think to get. Yeah, definitely. I know I didn't, and that was a whole thing. Um, um, I do have a recommended pair, and it it, it is $14, but... Uh, so the Army Painter brand... Um, so the Army Painter, for those of you who are new to, they make uh, a lot of basing, a lot of modeling tools, um, paintbrushes, uh, stuff like that. And their clippers, they're the, the nicer ones. They're for $14.99 or something. They've mm-hmm. lasted me for, I think this is my third year with the same pair. Edge hasn't dulled nothing. So <laughs> um, totally I... worth it. I wore my army painter ones out. Really? Uh, Did you buy because the, I was the cheap. I bought the good a, ones. Okay. The problem that I went through is not a problem. Anyone's really going to run into. I used them to cut paper clips for a while. Cause I was making different, uh, terrain pieces and using paper ah. clips. And stuff. And, and <laughs> That'll things. do it. <laughs> so if you treat them correctly and not like a jerk, like I did, they'll, they'll last you. But yeah. the most important thing is it, it sounds crazy to want to invest in these, but this is kind of the one tool besides brushes that I would invest my most into. Cause if you buy a really crappy dulled pair, it makes more work for you later yeah, than definitely. it would early. And the GW and, ones, just FYI, they have like a starter box with them. They're real. I mean, they'll do the job for a couple of months, but they're pretty shitty. Uh, the army painter GW, ones are good. They bend. GW too. has the way of like, they take things that should be cheap and then try to profit off of it. Which yep. is why, like like you pointed out, like I'll do cheaper options, but the cheaper options I'm doing are usually the basic options mm-hmm. that like, like with washes, like GW didn't always do washes. You had to do them yourself and there's a, a standard way of doing it. And then GW is like, well, I should just make our own washes and sell it for three times the price. Right. Or so my cheaper paints. options <laughs> or contrast paints. It's just things that are, have been done. And then they like jump up and like, we should also be doing this like painting handles. Oh, stuff like yeah. that. things yeah, that yeah. people are always doing gw has a way of looking at it and saying we should profit off this basing materials like, stuff like that too basing materials like i have like all the side steps for that uh Me too, just basic yeah. i don't like their brushes i hate their brushes they don't work for me they yeah, splinter very quickly they splinter very quickly um they're like super expensive brushes there's kinda, no reason i feel like if you looked at the like companies that like made some of those like maybe a little bit better quality than like the cheap Walmart brushes, but um, GW's brushes are not high quality. Um, Let's start off like we're jumping around a little bit. Yeah, we're we're getting... (laughs) So clippers, you need clippers. So clippers, yes. you pull them off, you got to pull them off the sprue. The first thing you have to do is clip them off. Uh, And buy a nicer pair. Don't buy the GW ones, Yeah, uh, preferably. Um, So to build your models, you really just need clippers and glue. If you want to get better at it you'll buy clippers glue and some kind of filing uh and item, if you're and also a, well it depends what you're looking sharp for. pen knife too um yeah. because for me i don't file i use the edge of my clippers to file oh, that's a good idea yeah a lot of people do that actually i was listening i'll to, use sorry uh so i'll I'll just use like a small file just to polish things but i've never heard of clippers you were listening to something oh yeah uh mark on the battle host they were having a discussion about that on one of their episodes and uh even colin ward was saying too that they just kind of file with with the um their clippers so 
yeah that's awesome it works. if it works out. it works right yeah <laughs> so um generally you just want clippers and glue so you can yeah. cut them apart piece them together and then maybe like a pen knife or something to take off seam lines if you're not using yeah. your clippers yep um and that's that's that pen and for glue um there's two types of glue so yeah what do you use because i've had i've been having this conversation and yeah. people keep asking me and i feel like i'm using the wrong glue um so, you'll def i don't recommend people do this so for me it's like when i model i want to get that thing done as fast as possible so i can paint it um mm-hmm. i don't like holding an arm a, sp- <laughs> a space marine arm to its body for like five minutes um there's just not a, an efficient use of my time so i actually use super glue <laughs> so um a lot of people will, will say don't use super glue use plastic glue um i go out and buy the blue cab gorilla glue um and the reason why people say not to use them is because there'll be this like residue left over but that only happens if you put a ton on i put a little bit on hold it and usually that part of the model is not visible anyways because GW does, for most kits, um, the things you glue together aren't really going to be that visible. For most, that's mm-hmm. 75% of the time. Um, and I even use, um, one sec, let me get it, zip kicker. So if things aren't drying fast enough, I put that on. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, well, also, I glue a lot of resin, um, yeah. Forge World resin, so and um, soon 3D printed resin. So, resin doesn't dry with super glue, um, like ever. I remember the reason why I ended up buying this accelerator. Um, so, here's a neat trick it's hard to find, but Zap, Z A P, um, makes a Zip Kicker CA accelerator. It basically, I would dry fit everything dry fit means you put it on the model where it's supposed to be before you put any glue on it. Um, I dry fit everything before you apply this shit because it dry, like it's like Insta bond. <laughs> so, yeah. um, but that being said, when you work with a lot of resins, um, it just like, what was I building? Oh, it was a tyranid. It was one of the bugs that I ended up selling later, but, um, it was one of the bigger bugs, not the bio Titan, but, um, like a big monster. And mm-hmm. I put it, uh, the glue in and, you know, was holding this, uh, resin piece. And so I positioned it against like a book or something so that it would set into the socket. Um, and I could like walk away and I'd come back, you know, like an hour. I ended up coming back the next day and picking it up and it just dropped right out. It didn't even, the glue dried on the inside of the socket and on the outside of the arm, but it did not bond them whatsoever. And they were together. Like I, you know, I made sure to position it. So it was sticking into it. Um, that's when I went and bought the accelerator. Um, Cause if you work with any resin or, and for those of you who don't know, any Forge World model is going to be resin. So um, having the accelerator will force it to actually dry um, in a timely manner. Um, it's the only mm-hmm. way I build the resin kits. I remember I was I bought those Dark Angel uh, like 
the 30k nights and i remember i was like i can't build them till i get this accelerator in <laughs> so um they sat around for a while because it is hard to find but yeah so i use super glue for plastic and super glue for resin pretty much um yeah i do the same i'm all super glue as well i've heard that you could use you have the option of using like plastic cement or plastic glue and i've seen people use them i heard the cement if you go out and you buy cement, it works like a model cement that people use for different model kits, but it's more of a permanent bond where with super glue I can, and I think the plastic glue too is a little more permanent, but the super glue itself, if I need to reposition an arm, like if it's in the wrong spot or like I need to, I, yeah, I always, I'll build my models fully. And then if I want to break them apart or like take them off a of base, I have to pop them off the base. And, and you can do that with super glue. You can do that with yeah. super glue. It gives you more leeway yeah. to fix things later. Not so, once I start painting usually. I don't but... know if you know how they bond. So I actually do. So I'll explain it. So what plastic glue does is it actually melts thin layers of the plastic together, thus bonding it. So right. it becomes like one piece of plastic. Super glue bonds like, it's like four layers. You have the two pieces of plastic, then you have a layer super. It's like an three layers. It's like an intermediary that bonds to everything, but it's right. it doesn't weld the plastic together. So, which I've heard is good because if you drop a miniature later on, and I've heard that too, the whole bonding thing. I just wasn't ever fully sure of it. If you drop like a mini, like you're going to a tournament and you drop it, and it will break at the super glue points, yep. not yep. at the, like the stress points. Well, so here's a great example. All you have to do is glue it back together. Yeah. Yesterday. So I'm, I was playing thousand suns. Um, so I dropped a rubric Marine and it just broke off the legs and the torso. Easy peasy. So, <laughs> you know, yeah, right at the glue points. Yeah. So it was, um, it's a simple fix. Um, so yeah, but, do you do you use a liquid or do you use a gel? Oh, Gorilla Glue, the blue cap. It's about four dollars at Home Depot. Uh -huh. Um, I buy in bulk usually. I'll go there and buy like five or six of them. Um, just so I have them. Um, except for like one time where that's the worst too. Like if you're building a lot <laughs> and you're like painting a lot and you run out of something. Um, and you're in like a, like I get in grooves. So I'll be like, oh yeah, I'm going to finish this unit tonight. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you run out of glue it's and gone. then <laughs> <It's the worst>. <laughs> shit. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, just gorilla glue, but don't buy the gels. I accidentally See, bought one. You use that? I don't hate it. I use that. That's my bread and butter. Um, okay. it holds really well and it holds when you're trying to hold things in place easier. Cause the gel like will hold it itself, but it's really easy to screw up with the gel. I've, I've started buying more yeah. liquid ones. Now I started with the gel with the precision tip. It's like so Loctite. I feel like if you accidentally add too much gel, it overflows like yeah. a peanut butter yep. and jelly sandwich. It goes yeah. everywhere and it's not, it's not something you want to deal with. Yeah. It, it's easy to clean up if you get it right away. But if you don't learn to do that, or you'll you forget, be kicking yourself in the you know? butt. Yeah. Like later on when you see the, glue somewhere what is this big goopy thing out of my space marines arm socket <laughs> you know so it's it's really good if you can learn how to finesse it yeah it's not something i would always because i've seen people come up to me like oh do you use that like should i use that and i was like no i don't i don't know that i'm doing it right i just know it works for me but and the liquid i think is always better it's just glues, a little harder to... that's pretty true you know do what you know 
ends up working for you except for resin you have to use super glue on resin um and half the time with just super glue it doesn't even work <laughs> so yeah. um you haven't built too many resin kits yet have you i there's a few blood angel units like my dante and but my, they're uh, fine cast yeah it's fine cast and i yeah. hate i haven't used real resin i've used a lot of fine cast and i, I absolutely i despise fine cast yeah the forge world fine cast sucks the forge world resin is a much higher quality resin but it's still like a pain in the ass to glue um and yeah. take off all the mold lines um well the fine cast the fine cast mold lines like the supports oh, the support brackets they build are still there and if you don't catch them all like yeah. i got midway through painting dante and found like a ball <laughs> that happens to, like his back it's terrible yeah it is and um, when it's a little too late sometimes when you're like already into the highlight phase and all of a sudden you find this little like fear or like uh like a, almost like a can shape coming off the yeah, back of weird. your neck like a weird globule it's they're weird. i've also so people. like swords too sometimes i've thought the resin mold line was like you know when i'm cutting it up thought i was part of the sword primed it you know whatever and then mm -hmm. i go to painting them you know i get to the sword i'm like oh shit <laughs> yeah. you know um that's definitely so basically your first steps to go through our our building and cleaning up is kind of what we're we kind of went off a little bit on that um but that's what we're talking about with mold lines when you actually build the models the way the molds are built when you clip them off there will be mold lines along it and resin's a little different there's different mold lines and different supports they need to build in um tip on that though and i've heard this a lot is that if you're looking for mold lines which are just little bits of it looks like a line along the plastic. Yeah. If you look at the actual sprue, wherever the sprue is, uh, that being what the bits are connected to when you pull it out of the box, if you look along the line of the sprue, like that's where the mold lines will always be because it's the two uh, molds getting pushed together. Oh, so if yeah. you look when you pull it off, you can actually just see it. So like if a head is like bisected by the side of the sprue, then it's going to be like straight through which is something they have to think about when building it. So whenever I see like a bad, a bad mold line somewhere, I always get really mad because it's like, you guys had to think this one through and then you decided to put it right through the center of the face, <laughs> which is a lot of Harlequins. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. Don't, yeah. They're annoying models to be honest. So <laughs> <laughs> they're also tiny. So it's difficult to deal with. That's kind of why I like the um, primary scale stuff, um, just mm -hmm. because it's so much easier to like build something with, you know, beefier arms and not these little fucking twigs. Um, Terminators are, though, even though Terminators are a great kit all around, they're just super easy to build. They did a really great job twenty years ago when they first started producing those. Um, but I digress. So yeah, that's. I mean, I think that's glue and clippers. I think that's pretty much all you need to build the models um, at a minimum, you know? Yeah. Um, now we get to the more complex stuff. Um, painting. Painter, <laughs> so. So the most basic things you actually need is what? Paint, brush, well, primer? No, not to get a model uh, battle ready. So. Let's walk through the steps. So GW outlines these basic steps of painting a model, and they're actually pretty effective ways to sort of paint your force. 
So even if you skip the highlighting, we'll, we'll get there. So essentially, <laughs> you your model's all built, ready to go. Um, you The f- four steps, I want to say, is one, priming. Two, base coat. Three, and we'll explain these in further detail as we go. Three, um, wait, priming, base coat, three, base shading, coat. four, highlighting. Um, I think that's it, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And then basing. Yeah, and then basing. Um, which, but basing's more of a, I don't know, it's a different art. So, <laughs> um, but there you go. So you have those. So first step, priming. What do you need? You need uh, the color the color primer you want the model to be. And what primer does is like anything else that you prime like um, in life, it just allows the paint to set onto the model. So it, there is a it, little bit of color theory here, but... Um, it, hypothetically, it creates a barrier between the plastic and the paint. And it, what it does, it, there's a term for it called like teeth. It gives teeth, it gives the paint a gripping point right. to bond with the model where Which it wouldn't have that before. means the color um, is affected. So, like, you wouldn't have as... Like, if you put paint... I don't know if you've tried this. If you put paint straight to the plastic, it just doesn't stay on. The color kind of runs, and um, it doesn't just doesn't look good. So... Um, you know, when you paint walls, you know, pretty much you usually prime them before you paint them. So mm-hmm. it's the same concept. Um, yeah. It's building the bottom layer of a pyramid. Yep. Everything has to stay on that. It's the foundation. And you basically just need a can of primer to do that at a minimum yep. level. Um, or if you know, we won't talk about airbrushes today. So no, just no, no. a that's, can that's of primer. <laughs> there's two. There's two basic thoughts to come with picking a primer there's the bet there's the easier one if you're just trying to get your models on the table is to choose what's the closest color to your mini well like if i'm painting blood angels i can go buy a mephiston red primer your base coat color you mean well yeah so you go for yeah that's what i meant so you're going for a base coat color with your primer you could do that that's a um so you don't have to do as much work you're laying a base coat at the same time as you're doing your primer maybe you do like another layer over the top or you get a color that affects the color of your base coat, which would be because acrylic paints naturally are translucent. If you put down a black base, if you put down a black primer and then you paint like a red base coat over it, it's naturally going to be darker because you're seeing through the red to the black. Where if you put a white primer layer underneath, it's already going to be brighter because you're seeing the white through the red and the the white just reflects the color. So you can either choose your base coat and get a head start, which is a great place I to think start. A good rule of thumb too for beginners: um, always prime them a white or an off-white. It just ends up working. It, if you want a very simple rule, do that. You know, at the very least, prime them white. <laughs> um, I, I, I think it, you... it makes it easier and cleaner if you're beginning. Yeah. I think there's advantages to doing black or gray, and yes. there's also but way when you're more... beginning. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If you're just beginning, white or base coat color. White will always work. It will always work. (laughs) So even if you decide you want black armor, if you prime them white, it'll still work. So (laughs) um, if you prime them black, um, 
it's not going to work with a lot of colors, maybe the way you want it to. Um, and you'll have to strip the paint off with some kind of paint stripper in order to kind of get that primer removed and reprime them. Um, and I guess my tip for priming, um, since I still, uh, Corey has an airbrush, I do not. Um, so I actually follow a lot of these <laughs> methods. Um, when priming, hold the shake the can well. Shake it very well. Do not prime in humidity ever. Um, just don't prime that day if it's humid. Um, if you have a basement, sometimes that's an easy way to get rid of the humidity. But um, you want to shake the can well for at least a minute, um, at least. Um, I usually walk around and like get my models ready while I'm shaking it. Yeah. Um, and then um, prime it about... 18 to 24 inches away from the model. Um, let it dry in the position it's in. So a good 20, uh, I usually wait 15 to 20 minutes. It's usually pretty dry. And then I go back down, move the model around to the spots I missed and then reprime. Um, mm -hmm. And I just do that over and over again until it's done. Um, however, I use a lot of contrast paints. Um, I know some people in the community are like, Ugh, but I think they're a fucking awesome tool and I learned how to use them. So that being said, um, well, use them at least okayly. So um, yeah. that being said, um, I ha most primer, the rule of thumb is you just want enough specs on. So the whole model doesn't need to be covered. You, you want a thin layer. You do not want it to build. It looks like complete shit if you let it build. Um, yeah, you'll, you'll cover up a lot of details and cloud yeah. a lot of things if you go too thick. And if you're ruining your model at that stage, you know, you're kind of fucked. Yeah, so. Which is why I prefer a lot of spray primers over yeah. like brush on. Like we have friends who use brush on and I think sometimes you it can clumps. see those strokes and the clot. Like it, it clogs up a lot with the brush yeah. on primer. So unless you know what you're doing, Brush-ons can work, but they're not great. Another point with the primer, that uh, spray primer, like if you're doing rattle cans, um, the big thing is to do it in short bursts. Don't yeah. hold it too long. Um, also, when you start spraying, don't start spraying on the model, or else it will splatter onto the model. So and another it's good like a big left-to-right swing. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, move the primer. So I like, for what I, for here's a visual example. Um, line your unit of 10 guys up in a completely straight line and then start before the mod first model and then just breeze across. Works pretty well. So, <laughs> yeah, the big thing is finding your sweet spot. Cause if you're too close, you'll clog and you'll, uh, put too much paint on it. If you're too far away, what I found out earlier on is, uh, the paint itself will dry before it gets to the model and give yeah. the texture to your model. 18 to 24 it's, inches is a pretty good rule of thumb. Um, it's one of those things that you're probably not going to mess up and people overthink, but you'll yeah. figure it out when you do do it. It's, I mean, you just need to do it. No, I definitely fucked up when I first started. Yeah. yeah. And also with different use another, here's another good tip too. definitely use when you first start GW primers. Um, so here's how I fucked up. <laughs> um, I bought an army painter one and they're very different um and they kind of if you use them incorrectly it becomes like this it looks like a layer of plastic on top mm -hmm. of the plastic um of colored plastic so it's 
they're very some people swear by them um i personally do not like them even when i've tried to use them correctly later on in my painting um so i don't know gw makes pretty solid primer so i'll give them that you know their primer is good i i like it it's just expensive as hell yeah, like 20 bucks a GW. can yeah if you go to your home depot there's krylon plastic primer which works just as well uh, as long as you try to get make sure it's matte but you can basically find any color you want in the krylon brand that is almost the exact same stuff Corey's tips for saving money. Corey's cheap, cheap paint tips. Corey's no, cheap. But like, I can buy like three or four cans of like Krylon spray on primer that works just as well for the same yeah. price as a GW. Well, the The good thing about the GW is that if you are base coating and you want that specific color, yeah, in your primer, they have it. Which Honestly, is Corey, at this point in my painting career, I only use one color, um, and it's always gray sear always yeah i don't buy anything else um i have white primer like i've run out of gray sear and use something else but <laughs> um that is my go-to um yeah that, it's just my primer worse. my primer is gray so i'm not disagreeing with you i like using black but i i, I, I use black too gray. but um the problem with the one problem with black is i depends on what kind of shade of if you're going for a lighter black i would use white uh-huh. Um, just because like those models are black when you run them black, you know, they're very black. Um, it's great for base coating to like that double, you know, prime and base coat at the same time. Yeah. It works real well. So, but, um, yeah, so that's priming. I think, I think we cover that pretty well. So, <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, the one thing I do, so like the one add on, cause I do actually do, I don't do it so much now that I have a full, uh, airbrush setup cause the thin layer of primer I can do with an airbrush is hard to achieve otherwise. Um, yeah, no not airbrush. Saying to get that, that's, yeah. <laughs> not um, today. <laughs> no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying I do yeah. still do rattle can if I need to, rattle can being spray paint. Um, yeah. But my big thing is the most important thing is to get it up to the correct temperature and to get it to the correct mix. So what I do, and it might sound crazy, but if you want to nitpick into it, is to take your rattle can, um, put it submerge it in a hot tap water like tub so i have like a pitcher a plastic pitcher from the dollar store and i'll fill it up with the hottest water i can get out of my shower tap and then i'll submerge it for like 10 minutes before i go to actually use it and then i'll time it out and shake it for 10 for one whole minute before i spray anything that's like the fail safe super involved i'll do it for like uh (laughs) yeah for any can i'm spraying out of i'll do that it's literally just the 20 minutes pre-thought yeah. into doing it and wow. you'll feel it when you go to shake it because the it'll be so ready that you will barely feel the little clicky ball inside shaking because it's yeah. already pressurized right it's if you i mean you're not always going to want to do that but if you are worried about it that's the fail safe way of getting your, yeah. your primer and if ready. you're steven you just don't ever do it so <laughs> <laughs> um i'm all for me to well it depends on the model but for you know most of my models um it's like get it done quickly that looks okay like i'm not looking for like something and i think this is where Corey and i kind of differ here um in painting is you know I like my army as a whole to look cohesive, same colors, themed, um, but um, 
I say that and I just spent like so much time pinning those thousand suns. So, <laughs> um, for some models that I just want to get out there, um, I try to do quick, uh, save time. And, um, especially when I'm like right now I'm unemployed. So when I'm working full time, I basically only paint maybe, maybe an hour, uh, every other day. And then on the weekends, maybe, um, depending on what I'm doing. So, um, yeah, I guess it just depends, but, um, so your model is primed, right? Yes. Is that where we are? I think, I think I see it there. It's nice and white <laughs> or gray. <laughs> oh, uh, yes. yeah. So moving on, you're going to do your, uh, base coat. Yeah. Base coat. <laughs> base coat. In order to do your base coat, just to point this out, you do need paint and you do yes. need brushes. Yep. I would not go too crazy on brushes when you're first buying them. It's a tool that when you invest in it, it pays off in dividends. But if you don't know why it is, it's not going to help you. Yeah. Like it's one of those things where like, unless you fully understand how to use the tool, getting a better tool will not help. Yep. So I think Corey and I both recommend, um, Walmart and, um, like a craft, any craft store, um, when you're first starting, and, you know, Corey and I still do this, like, <laughs> like a lot sometimes. So, um, cheap brushes, they're cheap. Yeah. They're, I mean, they don't last. Um, I'll be honest, they'll fray really easy. Um, you'll end up throwing them out, but it's like a, a couple bucks. Um, I, I remember one specific set that Michael's had. It's like, I don't know, 50 brushes of all different shapes, sizes, everything. Um, it lasted me for a while. Um, yeah like six months, which for, I think it was $10. So that's pretty fucking good. I think, um, like what I got out of them was worth the money, I think. So, um, I think that that's my recommendation. Buy some cheap brushes till you know what you're doing. And then even then I have three or I have five nice brushes that I spend money on. Um, and they're for specific things and I only use them for that. Right. So I have my highlighting brush. I don't have a nice shitting brush because, well, I, I don't have a nice base coat brush. I mean, because I don't need one because base coating, I can make mistakes and it doesn't really matter and all that. So um, highlighting that step, once you get into painting, it's really useful to have a nice highlighting brush. I will say. Yeah. Um, um, my basic setup I will buy every time I go to Walmart, I'll buy like a dollar package of, of brushes. So I have my workhorse brushes, the ones that do most of my painting. And then I have my cheap brushes where I have just a big container of throwaway paint brushes from Walmart. If I ever feel like I want to use a new brush just that day, I'll do it. But my workhorse brushes, if you just go into like a Blick or a Michaels, Maybe not Blick. Like, Blick's a little bit even more expensive. Blick's a little more expensive, depending. But if you walk through and you just kind of hand pick the paintbrushes you yeah. want for like ten bucks, you can you can get a set made for you. And this is also like after you've started painting. So like your first, you might not want to do that. But there's a special feeling when you kind of go through and hand pick the ones you like. And yeah. it's also a try and fail thing where you're gonna use a bunch and you're gonna have to learn how to use it. There's no perfect brush for everybody. Yeah, definitely. Even 
even at the most expensive set, yep. some of those don't even work for people because there's a there's a toughness to softness scale you need to work on. Yep. And um, yeah. in addition to that, too, um, when when I say when I just previously said nice brushes, I don't mean like the singular ones that are like four dollars a brush. I mean like we're talking like ten to forty dollars a brush. Um, yeah. Um, so unless you're painting for money, it doesn't really make sense. Eh, I for edge yeah. highlighting. Um, honestly, uh, I don't think I can ever go back. I uh, have three scale seventy five brushes that are awesome, and I have one uh, that was like I forget what brand it is. You probably know. Um, how do they how do they label the scale seventy five brushes? Uh, by um, painting technique. So the ones I bought yeah. are quote unquote weathering brushes. Um, mm-hmm. but basically I just went and looked at the tips. I kind of, I kind of know what I need when I edge highlight, um, at this point. Um, so there's the shape of the brush, uh, is something I'm looking at when I buy it. Um, mm-hmm. and I mean, granted you, you can feel them, so you can feel how hard they are. Um, for edge highlighting for me, I personally prefer a pretty hard, almost up to the tip. Um, it just works a lot. It's like, it's like when you write with a pen, um, yeah. if you water down your paint, Oh, base coating, always water down your paint. Um, when I first started, everyone told me that and I didn't do it. <laughs> so, um, I learned the hard way, but, um, you, the ideal with painting brush painting is you want it to leave the, you want it to feel like a fountain pen like a nice tip it's leaving maybe not when you're base coating but you know when you're doing detail work or highlighting you want it to leave the brush feeling like um you just kind of wrote on it in a straight and you you have a lot more control when you're doing that you can hit the points of the model that you're supposed to um so you make less mistakes um and you know we all everyone still makes mistakes so (laughs) um which is actually you know we're only talking about some of the basic concepts so i won't get into like cleaning up or anything but um yeah so a lot of that also comes down to style because there's some painters who i've talked to who legitimately don't like the feeling of touching the model with the brush where Mm. like i like feeling that tactile like spring back of me touching it and making it feel that way but there's a lot of painters who like will use that's the difference between tough and soft brushes there's some brushes that feel so soft that it's like you're just barely touching it. It's like a nuanced feel. And I don't like that at all. Yeah. Um, but again, that's a style thing. Yeah. It comes and down to And you'll get that as you buy brushes later on. Depends on what, like weathering, like streaking. Uh, this yeah. That's an advanced term. But um, I like it to, when I'm, I've only started doing this, but when I'm streaking, I really like it to feel like it's not touching the model. And just kind of quick uh, wrist reflexes up and yeah. down the model. So, yeah, but that's yeah not what that's we're brushes. About well brushes are like the one thing that i feel like it's okay to lean into when we're talking a lot about them um yeah but that's, because there's a lot of nuance to brushes um yeah. really so but they one thing i will say is for new painters having a good brush is not going to make you any better um and you'll ruin something that you just spent a ton of money on um so the cheapest as you're practicing, go cheap. Um, 
even now, like I said, like I have about, I don't know. Oh, I'm looking at my, my little cup of brushes. I have about 50 brushes, um, in a cup that are, that were most, some of them are army painter brand, um, which I do like their brushes and they're pretty cheap. Um, some of them are from Michaels. Some of them are from Walmart, you know? Um, so, uh, you know, buy, go cheap. And then, um, you know, you can build up when you sort of start getting the hang of, it's mo- mostly about the feel and your style and how you kind of end up painting. So, um, yeah. yeah. The other thing to think about when it comes to brushes, and this is why I asked Steven how scale 75 does it. There's a basic scale when you go to buy your brushes um, that all acrylic paint companies usually do. Scale 75 and GW like to label it so it's easier for the painter so you know what it's for. It takes away a lot of the nuances you get. But the basic scale you'll learn the second you go to buy your own brushes, it's a number scale from very, very small to very large numbers. And the the number scale we're usually at is you'll buy a brush that's like a one, a two, a three, mm-hmm. or like an aught. So and like a zero, double we zero. We should mention it, the scale comes from oil painting. Um, yeah. It's been around for a while. Yeah. But that's the basic scale you'll go to. Yeah. So like I, everything I paint is mostly with a number one brush. It's kind of like a medium in that scale where it's got a fat belly to the back. It holds a lot of paint, but the tip is still just as fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like a those. lot of it has to do with the size <laughs> of the brush. So like, you're going to want like a smaller than a zero brush. Cause you're going to want to do fine details. With yep. it. But for any base coats, like we're talking about, it's going to be something from like a zero to a one, two, two. Uh, you'll eventually learn that. Okay. I, so I, think the stronger is the I ones, have to but... take it back. So the skin, I just, I'm looking at, I pulled the packaging out of my trash um, cause I just bought these scale 75. I had two other nicer ones that I was using. Um, but I wanted, uh, some new brushes on the back of the scale 75. They do actually have, actually, this is brilliant. So scale 75 is actually one of my favorite companies for paint too. And everything. They're just a great, I love um, their paint. miniature painting company. Um, but on the, so they have the, so you go to this store for a nice brush after you've practiced with cheap ones and you look at the scale 75 and they're grouped in three brushes. Usually I think that's how they package them. And, um, they tell you sort of the technique on the front. So it says weathering on mine. And then on the back, it actually has four categories, um, stiff, uh, with four bars. And then, you know, the amount is highlighted. So it has, stiffness watercolor acrylic and oil so it's these were two in stiffness four watercolor three acrylic three oil and then on the back it has diameter versus length and with the number that Corey is talking about so this package came with a number zero that was eight millimeters a number one that was 10 and a number two that was 12 so that's actually all that's more than you could ask for (laughs) so um i didn't look at the back (laughs) gw will just like straight up do this is a layer brush this is a base coat brush and it's it's just infuriating to me because i look at it i'm like well what does that mean like i guess i'll i don't know it just doesn't fit my scale to kind of counteract that is you've been painting for a while i feel like when you first start 
those are really, really useful. Oh, this brush should work for base coating. But again, at the same time too, the number really does help. Like the smaller the brush, obviously the easier it is to catch small detail. So, you know. Right. Um, GW kind of uh, tailors all of their painting towards new, new. towards new painters. Yeah. So they want to make it very plug and play figure out. So their painting brushes will just say layer base coat, et cetera, because they don't want you to have to think about it. Yeah. Cause a lot of players just don't painting's not the thing that matters to them. So, so I would they say want some like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to paint with a broad stroke here. I'm just trying to say yeah. they, while they want you to get better at painting, they don't want it to be a barrier of entry for you. They don't want you to be like, you need to know everything. They want it to be like, look, we're going to spell it out for you. Yeah. Here's your base paints. Here's your layer paints. Here's and they your do bubble that with uh, gaming too. While we're on that same, so GW even like dumbs down the game. Um, yeah. So you can just kind of get started. Um, that's their whole goal is to get you started. So they're kind of like a drug dealer, you know. Um. <laughs> they really are. Uh, I can't think of. It's like, oh yeah, just get a little taste of this. Just a little taste. Oh, FYI, you know, four thousand dollars later. <laughs> so. Yeah um yeah but so it's a great system it works for what it's supposed to work for i yeah, just think definitely. it tends to it, it's not going to matter to what we're talking about today it just tends to handicap people in conversations or later get on into bad habits with their painting yeah. or their playing um because i would say know the number scale that's as a beginner even as a beginner just get into the idea that brushes are numbered based on kind of you know their length and uh thickness and understand that some are harder some are softer um and that yeah. that and then play around with the different nuances of the brushes um and again the best way to do that is just buying it real cheap um a couple of cheap brushes and seeing what works seeing what doesn't um but for base coating um you probably want a like a thicker you don't really need yeah. a nice brush ever for base coating i don't think so um like it, it all okay comes down brush. to how how precious you get with your base um, coating well and if you're blending which i yeah. do a lot so now nowadays um it matters but <laughs> yeah but for base coating it's it's one of those things people want to be super precious with but the more you do it the more you learn your you're not going to ruin it in the base coat. Yeah, no. And as a beginner, the, I mean, also while we're on base coating, uh, since we can segue into paints, um, contrast paints. Um, so our four step GW released a line of contrast paints. They're very controversial in the painting community. <laughs> um, but I think most people agree they're another tool in the toolbox if you decide to use that tool. Absolutely. Um, and I do um, decide to use that quite often um i have found that contrast paints if i water mine down a little bit usually mm -hmm. um depending on the color um and i also blend with them a lot now um like i'm looking at i have a bunch of models here and like my to do and the smash dark angel smash captain uh i use the shrike raven guard model and i'm looking at the uh so that I blended towards the end of the, um, you know, those four little things that cut off, come off the, the backpack. Yeah. I ended up blending 
those um and i use contrast paints and i was just looking at it and i was like oh that actually looks like pretty decent so <laughs> um it really depends um contrast paint can glob up because uh, it's a shade and a base coat at the same time and so you knock out those two steps in one um however that being said just like when you shade if you put too much on it glumps and goes dark and gets caught in the recesses of the model so um be careful like for example if there's like a cloak and you put on because it's gonna settle at the bottom due to gravity it's gonna because it's such a light paint it's gonna settle at the bottom of um the model And if you use too much, which easy solution, just have a um, paper towel. And if it starts to catch in the recesses as they're using it, just, you know, grab that paper towel and dip because it'll come right up. Um, It's a super, it's not a forgiving paint either because it's going to fucking stay on your model. Um, Yeah. So that's also another thing. Um, But contrast paints are great, I think, for beginners. Um, They allow you to... Use them thinly. Um, I know, you know, the whole old GW saying was two thin coats. Um, I don't know how true that is, but um, definitely, depending on the color, sometimes you only need one coat um, too. So, but if you blend, uh, we're t- that's too advanced. Sorry. I keep talking about like things I'm yeah, no. practicing. We're, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so but we're on that base coat step and the base coat because we never fully defined it is your first layer of real paint on yeah. the model and usually it's blocking in the colors it's the uh, main color the you want that model to be when you look at it from like far away or something so yeah usually yeah 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 um as you go on that that will change a little bit but it it when you're starting out the first thing is your base coat is that main like Blood Angels are Mephiston Red, so you're going to base coat mostly with Mephiston Red and then alter from there. Or if you play Iron Hands, most Iron Hands are yellow. So, you know, you're going to want a base coat with a yellow. And Custodes are like gold, so mostly gold. Uh, Pretty much all, yeah. Custodes are kind of easy to paint if you can work with metallics. (laughs) So, um, well, you know, that's painting things with a brush stroke, but I think you know, if you can work with gold and silver, you can kind of paint a decent looking custodes in relatively short amount of time. So, um, but anyways, so yeah, that's base. So yeah, we should move on a little bit more quickly. So base coating, um, I'm just trying to think. So we talked about color. We talked about brushes. Um, I think base coating is the time that you basically talk about everything at once, like paints. Yeah. You have to talk about paints um, in general. So you have your brushes. You decided you wanted that Walmart pack. Um, you're in good company, <laughs> for you know, um, especially for a beginner. So now it's like, okay, I have to put something on this model to make it not white. What is that? paint um obviously sorry if i if that was not trying to be condescending i promise (laughs) (laughs) um oh a wide world of paint (laughs) yeah 
Go uh, with if you're painting as a beginner. Yeah, if you're painting GW, don't don't really branch out unless you have to. Don't until okay. later, I think. Yeah. Um, there are other paint lines. Let's just we should mention that. Um, and I guess Corey, here's a good way to put this: Why would you choose a paint? For what reasons? Or why would you choose a GW paint over a different brand? Just so we can kind of talk about it briefly. Oof. Um, flow GW GW is easy a lot of it's flow a lot of the different acrylic paints are created with different properties in mind some dry slower some of it has to do with the number of pigments in it and the brightness of the color and the saturation of the color like I find scale 75 a lot more saturated than the other colors that's why yeah. I like scale 75 because I like saturation um, GW basically does everything well they're they're really good their paints uh, are solid. I mean, their paints are solid. They're not anything special. No, but they no. they will get you where you want to go. And if you you're and painting I Warhammer, both, both use them. So yeah. yeah, if you're painting Warhammer, everything becomes very paint by the number. Where it's like, here's the color you use for this, and here's the color you use for this. Yeah, and you never have to wonder if you have the correct shade because they spell it out and in a great way. The, we should mention this. So the way that GW uh, markets their paints. Um, it's really easy for a beginner again. So they have paints that are called base coat. So grab one of those, grab another paint that's shade and then grab a layer paint. And then you can base coat, you can shape and you can highlight. So, so it's pretty simple. They do do that. And I need to, I need to stress this cause I get this question a lot from people who like, they'll be like, well, what color should I make it? And I was like, I don't know, pick a color. Like you're just, you want yellow, just pick a yellow color. And they're like, well, is it? But what base coat color should I use? Because like GW will label everything base coat, layer paint, yada, yada. And a lot of that comes down to the thickness of the paint they have. Like they'll make the base coat colors specifically thicker, but they'll yep. only make certain colors and, and usually base darker too. Usually darker too. The point I'm trying to make here is because this always frustrates me is your base coat can be any color. Yeah. yeah. It yeah. helps to go darker. It helps to use the colors they use. But if I want to make the base coat, a shade of orange and it's not in a base coat bottle it doesn't have to be that yes. paint it, it's Correct. just them trying to spell out for you what to use but what you don't have to do that what they're really doing is touching on a little bit of color theory um which is uh typically when you have a lighter color you build the lighter color from the darker by adding shades of lighter till you get to the color you want that's the theory in art of like yeah. how you come to those colors um they're doing that from a um business kind of marketing perspective so um you can have again to emphasize Corey's point choose whatever fucking color you want just know that if you choose a really really bright color it's gonna be very difficult to make that brighter <laughs> you know yeah. Um, if you're building up and I think, a, I think a general rule of thumb when you're beginning a good way, if you don't know anything about color theory or anything about like, uh, contrasting colors or, um, you know, I forget the other terms right now, but like, if you don't know anything about art, basically, um, building from dark to light, is a really simple way to just like from basic coding to highlighting, it's this, you start at the bottom level and work up 
to you know the brighter parts of the model so i i think it's a good rule of thumb when you're beginning is work from mm-hmm. dark to light um as you go on you know see cool effects of like contrast and how you can kind of have a darker color take um precedence over even yeah. lighter colors by the way you apply it to the model so um but okay. a lot of that again comes down to the nature of acrylic paint is a thin translucent paint so if you lay down enough layers of your darker color uh and it becomes opaque so it becomes the color it's supposed to be as you add layers on of brighter colors, you see through them to the darker color. So you have to keep adding layers and building depth of color that way from dark to light, which brings you from base coats to your layers. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's basically the idea. You look at it as each shade is a see-through piece of color, like a gel. Each shade of color, because we don't want to confuse shade. No, 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 shade will go. Sorry. Yeah. (laughs) I think I may have just That's another, that's just another (laughs) GW, Greg, but. Right. It's just that their oversimplification is great if you're learning. It makes it tough when you want to talk in the future. Right. Because, like, shade actually means... A hue. Dark color. Yeah, it's like the shade... If you're talking painting, shades usually mean the shadow area, like the shadow portions. But shade to them means a wash that is is washing it. That's why I get frustrated with it. It's just like it makes it tough to have these conversations later. Since we're on... So base coat kind of you know we kind of cover that so shading what shading is is what Corey just said it's shadowing putting shadows on your model and what that does is it makes the um, base coat well if we're only on those two layers it makes the other colors brighter by shading it's a contrast between the bright color and the dark color uh, which adds a shadow effect to your model basically right yeah Yeah. it's it's all as if a lot of the work you have to do is building the way light reacts off of the right. model. Well, um, if you're Corey. <laughs> well, no. Well, I mean, it comes down <laughs> yeah, to no, it comes yeah, down know, to yeah. if I put. That's true. It, it's it's all Rembrandt lighting in a simple mm-hmm. fact of there's a, the base coat is your middle tone and it's just what it should look like. The highlights or layering paints are your highlight tones, which is where the light is hitting closest, and the shade and the shadow comes down to where. The light's hitting the least and it's going into shadow. Uh, the easy way to do that with GW paints is they supply you with uh, they supply you with washes that will fall into the recesses and shade mm-hmm. it that color. Yep. And con- if you understand that it's light people. to dark, then it makes everything easier. Yep. And uh, just to for beginners, if you venture out into other paints, it's called a wash. So don't go to like a Vallejo line paint and look for shades, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's not going to exist. Uh, it's a wash. Um, that's the actual term for the, that type of paint that adds shadow. So, yeah. That's uh, why like I get when it comes down to when you're saying like, Oh, well the, the base coat's like the main color. It's like, it is, it is unless you want to start darker and work your way up you can do that too, which is the way I kind of work. I'll start in a super dark and then work my way to the brightest bright yeah. through layers. Um, I do. That where too, are we? What are we? Yeah. So, um, well, so uh, you base coat with a brush um, and then, you know, while we're on shading, just real briefly too. Um, here's the thing about shading. Uh, I 
everyone does it differently. <laughs> so yeah. I'm trying to think of a rule of thumb for shading, but I guess I'll just go over main ways people do it. Um, not the ways I do it, but some people shade in just the recesses with a fine detailed brush. Some people shade the whole model and then build back up to the color they want. Or if they want, if you put shade, here's a good beginner kind of just like what happens. If you put shade onto a base coat, it'll make that base coat way darker than you intended. Um, if you do the whole model, um, I didn't like, it seems obvious, but like when I did it at first, when I first started painting, I was like, what the fuck? It's so much darker. I wanted that color, you know? <laughs> so, mm -hmm. um, it'll, it'll ruin the, it darkens the pigments in your base coat. So, um, yeah, th that's kind of what I have on shading. Uh, you can either cover the model, you can paint the recesses as a beginner. I think there are more advanced things you can do with shade and then there's, or washes. Um, and then there's all ki kinds of washes for, uh, just so everyone knows, there's also tons of washes to like weather your models. There's washes, oil washing, uh, which is a totally different technique um, that Corey does, I am about to start doing. So, um, it's uh for a simple thing i think yeah uh either do the whole model know that it's gonna be darker and then so what a good tip there too is if you do do that um after you're done with the wash um just go back and repaint on the base coat color to the parts that aren't like the corners and so for a space marine you know like for a good example so say you have a shoulder pad and you paint it red and then you put the wash over the whole shoulder pad, just go back and leave the little, put it, put the base coat color like in the middle, uh, basically, and not uh, on the edges and it'll look washed. Um, right? <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, that was always my biggest. I, when I started painting, Some people do I, that, will, you know? I will paint the mini, I'll base coat it, uh, and then just lather it and wash and the mm -hmm. wash, should go into the recesses by itself but it's never going to fully so you no matter then what, have to go back in and do cleanup yeah yeah if you even if you thin uh gw wash it's going to change the pigment of the even just a little bit um which it does give you a natural if you do it correctly or if you you find a way to do it it gives you a natural gradient from light to yeah. dark it, it adds several layers of different shades to your mini which it's cool yeah. to see and it's it's immediately going to make everything you paint look better and you're going to love washing yeah washing is a lot of fun um the one wash all beginners should own the one shade shade product all beginners should own is known <laughs> oil um there's memes about it but it's because it's such an effective wash um <laughs> it really does the it really does the i mean i use it all yeah. i don't know about you that's probably my most used paint um i think i use agrax Earthshade more yeah but depends on what you're going for but i paint a lot of red so no 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 oil is like the like you can do anything like it works on every color like guaranteed because it's black yeah. <laughs> you know it's a yeah. black gray so um it's pretty effective but i think a good tip for beginners too is still don't water down your washes as much as base coat but definitely water them down they're pretty potent um, GWs. So um, that just means like add a couple of drops of water into like a painting palette if you use that or out of the box. Uh, I mean, if you're opening the cap and using it out of there, uh, dip your 
I don't know, dip your brush in water and then just dip a little bit into the paint. Um, and it should, I mean, that's a real rough way of doing it, but, <laughs> yeah. um, especially known some of the colored shades from GW are super potent. I'm thinking of the, the blue one. Um, oh yeah. You got to water. It's a, uh, that one's nasty. It's, it's super pretty... unforgiving. It completely darkens it everything. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a rough one, but. The, the rule of thumb with shades when you're talking about it, it's you're just thinking about what color you want the shadows to be. Because we can like rat, like say no, like say like Nolan Oil or Ag- Agrax Earthshade, but what it really is is the color of the shadows. Where Nolan Oil is a wash that's made to go black, so your shadows if it goes into it will be black. Where Agrax Earthshade is a brown, so if I'm painting red and I want my shadows would naturally go brown before they go black. I'll use Agrax Earthshade, where if I'm painting something blue, the shadows should go blue. You use, like, Dragonhoff Nightshade, but that's yep. that's also up to interpretation on which one you want to use. That's why yep. Nolan Oil works for everything, because all yep. shadows eventually go to black. It'll make things a lot more contrastier, but that's sometimes what you want, and it looks awesome. Yep. Um, and that kind of leads us to the third phase. I think I said, four, what was the fourth well, third phase would be doing washes, uh, highlighting. Or, yeah. So, oh no, no, no. Third is washing. So fourth phase. Sorry, um, highlighting. Um, phase four. Yeah. Well, because it's priming, which I forgot about. Um, yeah. So mm, highlighting. <laughs> yeah. So when you wash, when you wash, it's giving your colors. Uh, it's making them. It's adding depth to the color because it's adding a shadow. When you're highlighting, it's adding, it's making the color more dynamic. So it's creating more contrast because it's not just one color versus another color. It's it's a bright versus a midtone. It adds an extra level of contrast. Yep. I um, think people probably don't do enough of this. I know two, I don't. Two main techniques to um, to cover. Um, there's there's dry brushing and there's edge highlighting um those are i mean there's a lot of different there are other more subtle you know blah 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 there's more advanced techniques um but the two base what it boils down to is either you dry brush or you edge highlight or some people do both i do both sometimes um and what that is is dry brushing is when you take uh, a brush and you get your paint and you usually want a flat a flat brush um and you get your paint and you dip it in the paint and then you have a piece of paper towel or something and you just wipe off um so much paint until it basically looks like there's nothing on it and a good way to tell um at least this is what i do if you took enough off is to kind of like dry brush your fingernail um and if you get it on your skin a lot you didn't take enough off keep keep wiping and go back um and what you do after you have your dry brush, literally a dry brush, because most of the paint's off, um, is you kind of just hold it and kind of flick your wrist back and forth or in one direction, depending on what you're going for, over the part of the model that you want highlighted. Um, That's the basic, uh, there's a lot of nuances to it, but that's the basic concept of dry brushing. And essentially what it does is because there's so little paint on the brush, it'll just pick up the edges um, and leave like a bright 
uh, finish on the edges and a darker finish um, underneath them. So um, that's one way. And then then edge highlighting, which is the part of painting that I think most people despise because um, it's tedious. Mm-hmm. If you edge highlight everything, it's tedious. Um, so what edge highlighting is, is you take a fine detail brush, you dip it in your watered down paint, and essentially you just, in one direction, on the straight edge of the part of the model you want to edge highlight, you just stroke. Um, and you, ideally you want it just on the edge um and it basically a good way to see edge highlighting is to look at a tau model um someone who edge highlighted it because tau are boxes so you can really see someone's going in in a square um around the edges of that part of the model um some people i don't know how they have the fucking patience for this will edge light every section of a towel model um every edge um it's one look uh, that people go for um and most gw poster models are edge highlighted i should note um so if you you know the box art is usually a model that was painted with a ton of edge highlighting so they'll do they'll do do two layers of edge highlighting too they'll do a a darker edge and then a brighter edge and um sometimes so i have tried this even as a beginner uh for a cool effect as a beginner edge highlight the main edges and then go Mm -hmm. back with a really light color a bright and just do the corners um it ends up looking pretty cool for a beginner so (laughs) you know um i think that's uh and one thing you'll hear about edge highlighting and this happens to me all the time. And so some tips for edge highlighting. So what you're doing with edge highlighting is basically, basically making straight lines around the edges. If you are at all a human being, you shake (laughs) sometimes (laughs) and you can end up kind of not really highlighting the edges and just kind of putting a blob and then they're uneven and all that. Um, a great rule of thumb is to make sure you have the hand that your brush is holding. Um, the hand that is holding your brush. Sorry, I had to think about that. Um, make sure it's like like I put my elbow down and my whole forearm on the table. And then I put from that hand that's holding the brush, I'll hold my model steady with a pinky on it. And I'll just make a stroke, a really light stroke, and then go back and do a second one. Um, I don't have, like, I'm not like a fucking golden demon painter and I fuck up, you know? And so I still make mistakes, but I think my edge highlighting has progressively gotten better through practice. And most of this stuff, we should also disclaimer, you will get better with time. Um, It's a lot of practicing. Um, It's a lot of feel, you know, um, that's why you see some people who have these beautiful models and they paint them real quickly and you're like, what the fuck? And then they're like, I've been painting these models for like 25 years. And you're like, oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> the best way, the absolute best way to get better. And it's just, it's a quick, quick tidbit is the only way to get better at painting is to actually paint. Yep. yep. The more you paint, the better you'll get. And I mean, you should always try to paint with more focus on your painting, but if you paint 10 models, you're going to be better than when, before you started. Yep. Just because Absolutely. you did it. And you'll just like a lot of things in 40 K. Um, 
it's such it's so, such a cool thing to like little by little you know you'll get better over time and little by little you'll you know ex- and another tip which is on this line experiment try new things like if you hear about a technique you've never done before try it out um even like maybe just go buy like five models and then constantly strip them you know and just try things out because um that's the cheapest way to do it is have your practice models um but Mm -hmm. anyways um the more you try and try and try again so i remember um and Corey can kind of he's seen some of the progress of this but i think like six months ago i tried wet blending and it kind of came out like complete shit (laughs) and um most recently i just did a cape on a thousand suns sorcerer and it was fucking i loved it like it finally felt like it started to click and that for different techniques that's what will happen is over time you'll get the hang of it um and it doesn't come overnight yeah, you highlighted a good point with that too. Uh, I don't think without even meaning it is is the fact that when comparing how much better you're doing, always try to beat yourself is a big one. Because yes. I think Colin said this when we talked to Colin. It's just it's not about you being better than a golden demon painter. It's about you right. being better than the last model you painted. And it's hard. Um, I'll speak from experience. You know, especially if you're a member of Instagram, which follow us, Foxtrot battle line five nine eight but if you're you know if you're on instagram um you know pretty much my whole feed or Corey, our our account's feed is like all models that people have painted (laughs) and you scroll through sometimes and you know if you're again if you're a human being sometimes you think to yourself i'm never gonna get there like how how do i get there well you know how you and Corey and i are recommending the solution don't even think about getting there because maybe you some people you, you gotta you have to know to disclaimer those people who post their pictures some of them have spent like full work weeks like 80 hours on one model um mm-hmm. you know with painting it all depends on your commitment level and all that too and how much you want to invest in it um but that being said compare yourself to yourself keeping your goals realistic and in mind of what it is you want to achieve um, with your yeah. painting. Um, You're never going to run a mile in one step. There's right. a thousand steps between the first one and the last one. And if you just pay attention to every step, every next step and focus on that, you'll get much further than if you pay attention to where you're not yet. Right. And also when you finish a model, Highlight the things, and this is just kind of like my own little, (laughs) it can get self-defeating painting sometimes because things won't always come out the way you want. And Mm -hmm. most people in the Warhammer community are very great. No matter what you paint, they'll be like, oh, I love how you did this on the model. And what I'm saying is that that doesn't matter. When you finish a model, take a look at it and look at what you like and remember how you did it. Um, maybe even write it down. Uh, be like, shit. And even if it's a small thing, like I know, for example, you know, like space Marines have a lot of like ribbons, um, and they have like little seals on the ribbons. I remember, uh, a while back when I first started painting dark angels, I like looked at a ribbon that I had done really well. And I was like, I really like that. And I immediately went to my painting notebook cause it was fresh in my mind. And I remember how I did it. 
I wrote it down and like you'll have this like painting book of like recipes um that work um and work for you because you're the one who did it <laughs> you know like <laughs> um but it's really important to walk away from a finished model um appreciating the things that you like about what you did and not even thinking about anything else um and that's how you're going to feel more fulfilled when you paint i think so yeah it was like a uh, sam lens who's like an amazing amazing painter had like a point and I, i'm misquoting this probably a little bit but it's very much so if you take a lot of time painting a face and you paint that face to the best of your ability and it looks great then no one's going to notice anything else on the model so try your best on all of it but if you can focus on one thing that you can do better each time if you do really good on that that might be all that you notice like if you really paint a cloak really well or a rope you're going to notice that every time you look at it you're like look how good my robe looks like that. so and other people will too yeah and they be almost gentle with yourself yeah definitely and people um everyone you meet in this community is going to be at different skill levels in painting and different commitment, commitment levels of painting too. So I think it helps to, and one thing Colin said in the episode, that's also true. You do, if you are into painting and this takes a, Corey and I aren't even really at this level yet where we criticize right. each other's work, you know? So, cause we're just uncomfortable being at all negative because I, I, you know, at least for us, I feel like we take it very personally. Like we're very insecure. I'm very insecure at least about my painting, you know? So, um, yeah. Um, finding that eventually will, it's great. And I, I feel like you and I are trying to work up to that. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's also tough because pictures aren't always the oh, best. Well, Corey's referencing the yeah. fact that I take we the shittiest pictures. Away. <laughs> well, no, I mean, even my, even my, like, are a lot pictures, better than mine. Though, so <laughs> like, I've seen your stuff in person. And I, I've given you compliments on it. Like it looks, it looks good. Yeah, it's and like it's much easier for me to pick up a mini and look at it and go like, wow, that's an awesome uh, dry yeah. brush job you did there, versus looking online when I can see like one angle and the way the light's falling because it's already you're painting it to be a certain way lit and then the light's falling a different way and it's just yeah, pictures yeah. aren't always a great. So I, I'm not. I think I'm not great at giving tips when just looking at photos. Yeah, and you're absolutely. That's a cool and good point too. Is seeing the models and if you really want hard criticism um or not hard if you really want some honest good feedback i think the best way is to look at the model in person because they do look different um uh or maybe that's just because mine look different but <laughs> um i'm not a good i'm not a good photographer so like i take the shittiest pictures i can never find the right lighting i don't know how lighting works Corey is into that so like I mean, it's, yeah. um, that's my profession right exactly so <laughs> you know my profession is like selling people things they don't need so <laughs> like um yeah uh you know so it is what it is but in person i think it's the best way to like really see how a model looks and that's the way people are gonna see it when you play you know or I, um or display honestly, yeah, honestly, like display is one thing, and I don't think it's because we're doing starters here. The biggest thing to notice how good your model is when you're painting it and to judge it truthfully is to put it like 10 feet away from you and look at it. 
Cause yep. like I'm building my big thing. And like, I, people say it a hundred times until you see it happen. And then, then it really sets in tone for you. I was painting a model. I'm painting a tower commission right now on top of all the other stuff. <laughs> uh, and I spent so much time painting this one dude and it wasn't even a lot of time, but it was a lot of me getting frustrated and a lot of frustration. Cause you're spending a lot of time, like a foot from the model or six inches from the model, staring at every yeah. missed stroke and yeah. like just, being mad about it and we put it on the table and we're playing and everyone came by and looked, was like, Oh, that guy looks awesome. And I'm looking, I was like, he does look awesome. Like he does have, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Most of the time. Yeah. If you're doing this, if you're painting to like play, there's a presence they're going to have on the board that you're not even thinking about half the time. And when you get them on the board, you'll see and you'll feel the difference than when you're looking at them from six inches away, judging yourself. And, um, it's a matter of perspective too, I think that you forget when you're painting your own models. And this is good to know as a beginner, someone a while back told me, cause I was painting a while, like this was like a year and a half ago I was painting and someone was like, I was like, Oh, this is shitty. Like, I'm not proud of this. And like, um, I, should I post, I was talking to a buddy of mine and someone like a third person was listening and I was talking to him and I was like, should I post this online? Like, I don't, I think it's too shitty. And then the other person was like, there's always someone who's going to look up to your style and your painting and like be inspired. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think you're primarily, that should be yourself. Um, but secondarily people, again, people are at totally, and it's all also like, there's so many skills in painting. People are at different levels on different skills themselves. So, um, you know, like for example, um, there's a buddy of, um, Corey and mine who is, um, we kind of have like this, uh, online slash in-person group. Corey's mentioned it before. Um, <laughs> and, um, I was talking to him and, uh, uh, he posted like a picture of a model and I like direct messaged him. It was like, dude, this looks awesome. Like, um, would you ever like, you know, take a commission commission if I wanted a model just yeah, out of curiosity, you know, stuff like that. And Corey's my main commission guy, but like, you know, for me, it's like, I'm also a collector having people do different things because people paint differently. is pretty, it's cool. And, you know, we're going to have a channel where we display models. So, you know, having some diversity and stuff like that, whatever, long story short, he was like, Oh, like taken aback that I had said that you know, <laughs> like, whoa, I, I didn't even like, I couldn't even imagine someone, you know, actually like wanting me to paint their model, you know? Um, Is that a, uh, was that Gabe? Yeah, it was. He's good. He's really good. <laughs> Gabe, if you're listening, you're really good at painting and I appreciate being I love your his friend. painting. So yeah. yeah, I, I had, so you've been painting a lot of Tao. So I had asked him, I was like, hey, Gabe, <laughs> um, if I ever like wanted like a Tao arm and he plays chaos, so, you know, you know, my whole thing with Tao is like maybe making a cast that is like chaos, um, mm -hmm. which I think Gabe does well. So I was like, you know, would you ever be interested in painting chaos Tao, like as a commission? And he was just completely flabbergasted that I even asked. So yeah. <laughs> like, you know, very humble. Like I didn't even think I was good enough for, you know, playing the game. So, <laughs> um, yeah, the, the moral of that story is, you know, people find different inspirations in different, uh, at different levels. And someone's always going to be able to look at your model and like something about it. Um, most important person again is yourself, but 
people, you know, will look up to your people. Um, and, you know, everyone's very cool in the community. I play with a lot of gamers. So honestly, when I put my models down on the table that are painted, they could give two shits. So <laughs> some of them, but um, um, yeah, it depends on what you care about. But um, yeah, yeah. Um, Sometimes it's just about getting uh, models on the table. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean. So I hope that kind of like helps introduce you to painting. Um, Corey and I really want painting to be a big um, part of this podcast, um, especially like talking about different topics in painting, um, talking about them. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe Corey will do tutorials at some point, maybe, but you'd have to, I think you'd have to be paid to take the time to film a tutorial, but because um, it's a lot of work. Um but anyways, um, yeah. we de we definitely will be continuing to have conversations about painting to talk about with different painters. Um, there's a couple we're trying to bring on now. Um, Colin and I, Colin Ward and I will be on, on Sunday um, talking about something completely unrelated to really any part of this game so <laughs> more of the psychological stuff so we'll be on doing that um yeah Corey, any kind of concluding thoughts i think uh you know we covered the whole thing about being kind to yourself you're always uh gonna paint a little bit better than you did last time and that's the goal i think the only other thing is uh really focus on thinning down your pants a little bit it's something that's hard to get right away but Four really thin coats of paint is sometimes better than one quick coat. Um, I, and I think that's it. I think that's what I have. If you ever want to talk painting, find me on Instagram and uh, I can go on can for hours. Corey through our Instagram too. He'll get back to you. Yeah. So um, Corey and I both have access to it. So if you do have a specific question for one of us, uh, just say our names <laughs> like Steven or Corey um, and you know, we'll respond as long as Corey doesn't read it. And then I forget that it was read, <laughs> but we'll definitely um, see it. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, thank you for tuning in. I think this was a great episode. Um, I had a lot of fun talking about this stuff and learned a lot from what, you know, you and I have different perspectives on some stuff and stuff. I just didn't know. So thank you. Too. Which is, uh, just a note, we have different perspectives, but that's a very okay thing. Oh yeah. Yeah, everyone paints a little bit differently. There's a lot of different techniques, and it's all about finding what matters for you. Or what works I'm never going to trying to do, you know? Yeah, I'm never going to tell Steven he's wrong for using his type of paints because it's not the way I do it. What, because are you talking I, about contrast paints? <laughs> well, no, no, contrast paints I don't use, but it's not because I don't believe them. It's just it's not in my toolbox yet. Yeah. Um, but Steven loves them, and it's just a different way of painting. Yeah. So and everyone has their own way. No, which one, no one way is wrong unless you're painting with like blood. That's probably wrong, well, depending on where the blood came from. Corn. Uh, well, uh, yeah, I guess it's painful. no. So doubling up on my point here, there's no wrong way to paint <laughs> right, a model. Yeah. 
There we go. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, you know, like those, I'm thinking of those art pieces where people like put poop on a fucking canvas, you know? <laughs> oh, man. So, Somebody um, smeared poop on a car bumper this morning when I was moving my car. It's terrible. Ew. That's for another time. Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> on that note. Um, yeah. There's so, nothing to it, but to do it. Right. Just keep practicing. Um, practice, practice, practice. Um, and if you don't like painting, pay someone honestly so <laughs> uh it's there's the always someone part. who's gonna want to do it yeah true or and you, you really don't want to commission painting is great if a you don't like painting or b actually a very common and very i i understand completely is if you don't have enough time like um you know people have lives people have families um if you don't have enough time to paint you don't have enough time um it is what it is so um, i don't feel shame about not liking painting that's, yeah. that's the great thing about 40K is that there's so many different parts of the hobby that if that's not what you're into, it's just, it doesn't, you don't, don't be shamed about it. Right. Like if you are someone who's like, I only ever, I don't want to paint. I don't want to model. I only want to play open, the open form, whatever it's called, open play or whatever. That's it. <laughs> then, you know, do it. Um, it's a hobby that allows you to do that. So, and there will be people who, um, will be there to, you know, to do that with you. So, um, it's a diverse hobby, which is great. So, yeah. Uh, um, yeah. On that note, painted models always roll better. They look better, I think on the table. So whether you did them yourself or not, but, um, just adds that kind of like, story and character die theme thematic dimension to the game which is awesome to have on the table so um yeah without further ado we'll get you back to your days um hopefully you were painting while listening to this <laughs> but um anyways uh thanks from foxtrot battle line and we'll catch you on sunday <laughs>